I mean, this is this is so much more fun, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> the uh, it's almost like the the um, <clears throat> like a, it, was, it was like we were promised that a time like this would come. I mean, I, I realize we're not at the end of uh, where where we we want to get to, but man, what a what what a game, what a feeling, what a nice uh, Sunday, <laughs> just with. All of the bad ones we've had for the last however many years for this one to end the way it did. Um, I know that you, like me, did not expect that it was going to end that way, that it was going to end up being a... Uh, somehow, some way, we were going to end up blowing it at the end. But alas, our guys made enough plays to come through at the end, and we end up pulling this one out. Browns win. Browns win. 26-20. Over the Carolina Panthers, a you know, I would, they're 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 a well, they were a 500 team, you know, so I guess I guess you'd have to say that's average, right? Is that is that the the would would that not be the the line of of averageness um, in in terms of and they're in the they are in the hunt, they're in the playoff hunt as you know we technically are as well, but I'm not. That's not um, I I'm still I basically if we would have beaten if we would have been able to go in and beat Houston last week. Then I would have, I know, entertained the notion of um, of us uh, possibly being able to, um, you know, go on a, you know, actually run the table, which actually does look a lot more uh, palatable after today. Certainly, this was this was one of those games that if we weren't going to be able to win out, that this would be one of the ones we would have trouble with. The next one, well, I mean, not that any of them are easy. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I'm looking at a, a Ravens team right now that's down to uh, <clears throat> Robert Griffin the third coming into the game uh, for an overtime. Although they did just, I mean, with um, with their rookie Lamar Jackson took the uh, the shifts to overtime. So um, anyway, the the for us today, it's a um, just a tremendous. <clears throat> A, tr- a tremendous win, and as I say, with with this one, you know, we, we we do have a shot. Like if we win next week, really, it's it's not. I mean, then we're playing two teams that we've already beaten this year. So you know, um, I, I'm, I it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that we could end up finishing uh, with a non well, no, a winning season. It wouldn't even be a non losing season. You know, eight wins, eight seven and one. That's a winning season. I, I again, I don't expect that that would be enough unless Pittsburgh just totally you realize they would have to lose every game they would have to lose every game for the rest of the season we would have to win every game and it's just that's just it's not, that's that right there is not going to happen and then the, the wild card with especially with like the Colts winning today that the Dolphins winning today it's just it's not going to happen and it, it's and it's fine look I, I don't I'm not it's kind of an odd point to uh, start off the uh, the broadcast with but I'm just not Looking at uh, this whole situation, um, I'm, I'm enjoying this one today for what it is, uh, because this is this was a really sweet one. Baker Mayfield, in I don't know what his uh, final stats were, but guy basically went out and played a perfect first half. The only only incompletions he had were uh, drop passes, but the guy, and not to say that he had an imperfect. Um, I mean, he, he, he was he was definitely controlled more for whatever how for however it happened and why ever it happened in the second half. Uh, not nearly as effective, but in the first half, dude was not only perfect in terms of being on target with 
uh, every one of his passes, but every one of his reads were not just the right read, but he was attacking, I mean, just going after Carolina. You know, talked about this last week when he was, when, you know, he threw those three interceptions against uh, Houston. And I'm, uh, but I was saying, look, in the first place, the interceptions were, um, they were, they weren't the worst interceptions in the world because they were interceptions that happened while you were uh, trying to make plays. And, the uh, which not to say that that that, that absolves it by any. Str- I'm not saying it was like oh I'm just, I'm saying there are, there are levels to this, you know like when Kevin Hogan tosses the one out there to uh, Jonathan Joseph last year that uh, gets returned for a touchdown just kind of a lazy um, toss over Duke's head. It was just you know when that when that occurred um, that 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 was that was about as bad as it gets as far as a um, a uh, just a lazy effort, bad read, bad everything, bad throw. So I'm saying it's not like the, the interceptions were happening in the prosecution of trying to attack defenses. But more importantly, he comes out and his final numbers, you know, he was like 20, I think he was like 24 out of 30 for like 351 in a touchdown in the second half. You know, that's, that's astonishing. But he, uh, he ends up, the, the most important point about that is that he came out in that second half last week against Houston just attacking, 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 attacking. And then today in the first half against Carolina, just attacking, 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 attacking. It almost was like the Panthers were deliberately um, trying to um, keep play keep away with, uh, from us. Because it, it seemed like they had these long drives where they're—I I don't think that's what they were doing. I'm saying that's way. But I mean, but every time Baker had the ball, he was moving the team down the field. And in the second half, it's like there was—I uh, mean, uh, just a couple of circumstances. That I mean, Landry dropping the ball, uh, he atoned for his fumble. Fumble Higgins originally atoned for his one fumble, but then had a, you know another drop later on. You hope that you know a guy like him, who we were happy to get him back. Um, he doesn't get a case of the yips over something like this, but be that as it may, the receiving core as a unit, you know, played pretty well. Uh, you know, some drops. I think there was like three or four drops overall, but not like, you know, not not as bad as we've seen in other games. <clears throat> I thought that, that when we needed to, we made plays. I think that the pass that Baker made to Jarvis Landry. You know when it when it happens, it, I, I when I watch all of this, I watch it through it through. I know people get annoyed when I do that. Like I start off saying something and I interrupt myself halfway through. I'll get there. I will get there. But as I watch these things, I always watch the process. You know, for in, in his case, I watch the you know the drop back and how he navigates in the pocket and what he does to put himself in a position to make a throw. And uh, and and and, that, and I, I watch all of that. And so before whatever else happens, happens, I see him do that. I see him kind of, you know, kind of do a little double clutch and then he lets the ball go. And as I watch that, I'm like, every box is checked as far as what he needs to stepped up, you know, moved over to his left, got in position, you know, puts his foot in the ground, fires it deep. And the ball, you know, this is another one of these things we talked about during the draft process. He had kind of this wonky wind up thing that he would do when he would do, you know, long passes in college. And he doesn't do that anymore. Uh, he corrected that. That was that was one hole in his game that he had from college. He doesn't do anymore. That pass came out of his hand like it was shot from a cannon. And then, wow, wow, 
Wow, the placement to Landry over top of the safety, outstretched enough from the cornerback to the outside where it was the only place that the receiver could catch it in stride for the long touchdown. A tremendous effort all around by uh, by both uh, Baker and Landry on that one. But I, but when it happened, watching it, that that probably is the best pass I have ever seen by a Cleveland Browns quarterback. I don't ever recall any pass better than that one in all of my time watching this team. Maybe you do. I don't. I don't remember there ever ever being a better pass than that. In fact, as I say that, I, I have the screen up here. They're showing that replay on the uh, the highlight reel uh, for just general NFL concept. This is I was you know kind of had the tail end of the uh, Ravens and the celebration right he does at the end of it is just awesome where he kind of goes down the field. So and I. I Pretty sure that was his only touchdown pass of the game, but I don't care. That's the thing is, like, when I watch all that happen, I, I watch for, like, the little things. Does he make a mistake in any part of the process? And when the ball left his hand, I was convinced that he did everything right. Like, I was convinced at that point that he, he whether it was going to be, obviously you have to see where the ball goes, but then when you see where the ball goes, it's just, this kid, he's special. And it's so fun to watch. <laughs> it is so much more fun to watch this team. And keep in mind... The, the Panthers, we just were could not get out of our own way. The Panthers were just eating our lunch to start this game. And i I got to tell you, I was to a point where I was done with Greg Williams uh, after this game got started just because of all of the – it just seems like every game we play, we've got these scheme mismatches. They're, they just – it just seemed like once again it was another game where the Panthers just had our number, and Cam is just moving the ball up and down the field. And kudos to that guy. First of all, it was all you know all week long. It was kind of thought that he wouldn't play. I thought you know going into it maybe that he shouldn't play, as important as he is to that organization. But what do you have a guy like that for to make a deep play to make to get to the playoffs and to make a deep playoff run? Well, they had him out there, and I know that the guy was hurt, but he he balled today and played pretty well. Ran that offense pretty well. And kudos to him for the game that he played. But he, you know, they they were moving the ball up and down the field against our offense. And there was the um, the the long catch and run by DJ Moore. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'll, I'll digress here and I'll do it really slow, like to really annoy you. <laughs> I, I shouldn't do that. I'm in a I'm in a giddy mood. This is just such so much more fun watching this team uh, when when we're actually good. But when you when we go through the draft process, this whole scouting thing that we're gonna we're gonna be on that here in about a month because uh, we're not making the playoffs. But you know, when when all that happens. Um, you you kind of get to to know players, and and uh, you go through that of, of scouting, like the various position groups, and so you, you you end up looking at guys that you want the Browns to pick. Like that's why you're doing it. You want to see the players that you want us to take based on the position groups that we need, and so on. So then you end up finding out about players. And DJ Moore is one of those guys that when he was coming out, like you knew that he had a chance to be really, really good. And so he makes that catch. And I don't even know. I mean, they talk about how electric he was with the ball, which he was. Not getting me. Don't get me wrong. He, he definitely is um, one of those guys that is can make a lot of uh, plays happen. But it's not even so much that we missed uh, all of those um, tackles on that particular run. It was that if you'll notice... And I think this is the problem that we have with, uh, well, it's a problem and it's not at the same time, is that we're constantly trying to go for the ball. 
You know, we're constantly – and on that run, on that touchdown run – it wasn't a touchdown run. It was just a really long run that set up. I think it set up a touchdown. Maybe set up a field goal. But we end up um, having, like, a whole bunch of guys bouncing off of them. You look, they're all trying – they're all going for the ball. Everybody on there, everybody in that in that uh, situation is trying to go for the ball and punch it out as opposed to making the tackle. There's like four or five guys that are right there that have a direct shot at him. But the missed tackles, though, this is something that it was on the first opening kickoff. Uh, as I'm, I'm, you know, I'm definitely. This is the thing with this team, though. Because I'm, I'm getting my, I'm thinking to myself, I'm done with Greg. I'm done with him getting out schemed. I'm done with our guys not being able to tackle. You know, I'm all, I'm all angry about it. I'm all. But then in the second half, this, this is the point: is he comes back in the second half, had a much, you know, the, the first half adjustments, the second half adjustments made, there were uh, were enough. And Greg Williams' defense, after giving up 17 points in the first half, gives up three in the second half. And the NFL has evolved to a certain point now where if you give up 20 points in a game, that's a game, especially with this guy that we have right now playing with, with, with six, 20 points is probably enough to be able to win. So kudos to uh, – and that was with, by the way, some – you know, the, I, I think that the, the officiating – you know, we talk about this every week, but generally speaking, I would put this probably about average, you know, today. There was a couple of, of – you know, lousy calls on both sides, which is pretty much par for the course. I'm not trying to say that I'm satisfied with the officiating. I've never been satisfied with the officiating. I guess that's I, for the entirety of the time, the almost three decades I've been watching professional football, I have never been, and actually any level of football, this is true, I've never been satisfied with the officiating um, at, at any, it's always bad. It's always bad. And there never seems to be any uh, care about actually improving it or taking significant steps to improve it. Nobody seems to be serious about ever actually doing that. And I keep watching, so I guess it doesn't matter. And thus, uh, here we are. And you had the, you know, the, the, it was called a, it was, okay, it was called holding. And look, whatever. I mean, I don't even care because I'm pretty sure this was the drive where we did end up holding him to a field goal. But he's, this is the one where where TJ Carey is he gets the interception but he gets called back for defensive holding. Now he's called for defensive holding. But this is the thing, defensive holding is what happens before the ball is thrown. If it's a if the ball is in the air, then it's pass interference. Well, he was he wasn't holding him, he was chucking him in that, you know, 5-yard area where you're supposed to be allowed to do that. But then they give the reasoning that the ball was in the air. Well, if the ball's in the air, that means it's pass interference. So if it's pass interference, then that means that it's an automatic first down, and we get, and they would have got like seven yards, whatever the route was. Instead, it's holding and five yards. And it, it was just, it was a very, it was like they, they took the time to explain and still got it wrong. Whatever. I, I, I don't even care. Uh, but I'm saying, and then they got, you know, on one hand, they call uh, Zeitler for that pancake, which is like, all right, that, that's. But then they got, flu, uh, was it Fluker? No. It was somebody else. It was uh, one of their, um, whoever their guard, I, I can't think of who the guard is, 72. They got, in other words, they made up for it. They, there were bad calls on both sides. So as far as the officiating is, the officiating is concerned, uh, that really wasn't as big of a deal as far as I was concerned in this one. 
as much as was it, the beginning part of this that it just seemed like another game where the defense was totally out-schemed by the offense, but then it looked like on offense we t- we had their number as well. And then in the second half, it seemed that it it um, it changed again. But, you know, here's the, here's the best part about this is that our defense made adjustments for the second half. Their defense also made adjustments for our offense in the second half. And we also gave up a fumble and weird play where we give up a sack. First time in three and a half games, we give up a sack. And it may have been the only sack we gave up in the game. No, there was another one I know that we gave. But no, that was when it was called back because of a holding. That's right. So that may have been – I haven't looked at any of the stats. So it may have been the only one we gave up. But something was weird on that play too because Baker sees him – he obviously sees him because you could tell by the, the the positioning that he just kind of slides up because he wants to do kind of the the move up step, but his linemen were backed up, so he couldn't really do that. It looked to me there like he was expecting for somebody to recognize that blitz and then break off hot, but that didn't happen. And there was nobody on that side of the field to go hot too, so maybe you're talking about I don't know, a slant over the middle by somebody that was running on the... I, I I don't know, but it was just a weird... There was a weird... Like that field goal drive that the Panthers took the lead on us with. It was a weird possession. Just a bunch of oddball stuff, and it ends with... Um, the You know, them end up uh, kicking the field goal. We missed the extra point after... Get, how about that? We... We get the extra point, but then it's offsides on them, so that means we have to kick the ball again. Uh... So then we push it up five yards and miss it the second time around. Okay, but but that's one of those things. Like that's one of those things in this game that you just expect. Okay, it's another one of those same old Browns. LOL. You know, typical thing that that always happens to us, where we find you know unique ways to lose, which you know this year we have experienced. But no, alas, uh, that that isn't how it turned out. Today we end up coming up with uh, with the win, and this is a, this is a satisfying one because. Even after giving up the, um, I want to say giving up, the, not, coming out in the second half and kind of them, the defense, uh, having our having kind of figured us out a little bit in the first couple of drives of the second half, that our offense then made adjustments again. You know, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that what I kind of look for for a coach and a coaching staff, the ability to be able to scheme correctly in other words come out with a game plan that you are able to um take advantage of the opponent's weaknesses augment your strengths and so on basically everything i'm talking about what the panthers were doing to us coach's ability to do that is i think that's the most important thing but then the second most important thing after that is resiliency because you're going to get beat sometimes and as much as in the first half, I'm saying, you know, Greg, I got a problem. They they came out in the second half and they 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 had some resiliency and they adjusted, and then the offense adjusted further. You go back to last week at Houston, we did kind of adjust there as well, and yeah, I you know I I don't take back everything I've said about this that we have um, you know even if we even if we get that touchdown either on the long pass to Callaway or on the. Um, the, the pass that ended up being a, a long pass completion that was fumbled out of the end zone. Well, it, we, we got the ball back at the 7, but or they got the ball back at the 7. Even with that, even if that happens, I still think we probably end up losing that game, but who knows? You know, Could have been a different game. Point is, there were adjustments that were made, at least on the offensive side of the ball, and that's encouraging. You know, It's encouraging to see that 
Freddie Kitchens. I've been a Freddie Kitchens fan, you know, and and maybe it's looking at it from the the, the lens of I, I I like the guy and I want him to be successful, so I'm, you know, uh, being maybe overly. <clears throat> Uh, like confirmation bias. That's what I was. That's the term I was looking for. That I want him to be good, so I'm I'm presuming all of this. But I'm just telling you what I think and what I see. And what I think and I see is that we've got a a guy that has the ability to first of all come out and scheme very well. Of course, it helps when you got a trigger man like Bay, May, like, like uh, Mayfield that could go out and make it work and make. I mean, just throw some dimes. How about that past it in Joku. The one where, because it, it's one of these ones that, you know, Njoku has to make a hands catch, which he does. He drops one later on, but uh, it's got to be out there because if he doesn't put it there, then the, the defender who's in who's tracked behind him has the ability to make a play. So he's got to put it there. But I mean, Mayfield is all day long with this. So much fun to watch him doing that, and Kitchens being able to put that sort—you know, 17 points in the first half—that's a good, that's a good output, that's a good total. To then kind of get stymied a little bit in the third quarter, but then come back in the second half, in the fourth quarter, and be able to, you know, calling up that run on third and short—that's you know, obviously that was uh, the, the right call in that in that down and distance. They did it twice, and it worked both times in, in huge fashion, and that was all off of that jet sweep uh, action. Big. It, it's it's nice to be able to see that. So I'm I'm very much no matter what happens as uh, this season you know concludes, uh, I would like to see Freddie Kitchens retained in some way. Uh, but at the same time, I realize that that's unlikely because we're probably we probably are going to have another head coach. Then again, if we do finish off this year, if if Williams and Kicho end up finishing, uh, what six and two, you know, we t- talking about those finishing out. That's pretty. That's a pretty strong resume. That's a, you. You got to give a guy a strong look when you take this team the way it looked at the beginning of the year. But then you look at a game like today. This is the problem: is you look at a game like today, where in the first half it really—I mean, we should have been running away with this thing. Quite honestly, it's—it's—it is to say we've got enough talent to hang with anybody. With the right coaching, we could be, you know, with with Baker playing the way that with Baker playing the way that he was playing today in this in the first half and with the the Panthers and with, with Cam you know basically being able to move the ball because of our mistakes we should we, we with the talent we have in this roster we should win these games we should win these games kind of easily actually we should maybe win these games easier easier <laughs> easier than we did today but I'm not going to be all you know sad face because I'm I'm I'm, I'm enthused y'all I'm I am you know, out of my mind ecstatic overjoyed over over this win today I I, I didn't expect this one I really didn't. I did. I, I thought this was going to be. Um, I, I didn't have the same thought that I had earlier on with you know some games where I th- where there was no, you know I, there were, there were several games where I came to you afterwards and a lot of it had to do with Hugh Jackson. Not, not going to hopefully not mention his name again this this whole time. But I, where I went into it, like I said there was never a point where I thought we had a chance of winning this game. Not in the uh, you know from the ending of the game the previous week to the entire pregame up leading up to it to any point during the game that I think that we had a chance. I didn't feel like that about this. Game. I thought we could win this game. I had a f- thought that if uh, if uh, Midas Meineke was going to be the uh, quarterback, because it looked like Cam, might, you know, might not be able to play, that if he was going to be the the guy that we were going up against, that maybe we might win this one easily. But 
it wasn't like I, I came into this one, especially after seeing us fall flat. See, this is the point is that all year long I'm thinking when we have to play good quarterbacks, we're probably not going to win those games because they end up, you know, first of all, out scheming us and then being able to pick apart our weaknesses as the game goes on, if they're good. And Cam Newton is a good quarterback. But, you know, back to, um, to Mayfield and how all of this kind of, you know, comes together is at the end of the game, uh, after the adjustments are made, after Williams makes his adjustments, and after uh, Kitchens makes his adjustments, you know you can't just discount that. You know the, every team is good, so if you have coaches that have demonstrated ability to make adjustments, and your team comes out and performs and wins these close games, well, I mean that. What are you looking for? A guy that's going to come out and you win every game in dominating fashion? Look, the, the Patriots won today on a, uh, a, a, a you know. A, a hook and lateral type <clears throat> deal, which doesn't you know help our mythical playoff chances <laughs> to the extent that you know. But it's funny that the people, a lot of people that are just you know, that, that think that we actually have a shot at making the playoffs are excited about the Patriots losing this game. It doesn't help us. I don't look, I don't care. Point is, Belichick is the best coach of all time, or right up there with the best coaches of all time. You know, in the in the Paul Brown Don Shula conversation, but. You know, it, it happens. You know, it, it happens. Sometimes you just get beat, but the ability to adjust, the ability to uh, overcome and make an adjustments and improvements, and uh, uh, that, that's that's a big deal. And so <clears throat> that was that's 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 the big story for me in this game, along with, of course, number six, <laughs> our our rookie sensation Baker Mayfield. And like I say, that pass that he made in the first half was um, maybe the best quarterback best quarterback pass. Although we did have a non-quarterback pass that was pretty good today. Landry, you know, <clears throat> again, I, I know. I know I'm deviating from what I was going to say. Bear with me. I'll get back to it. I promise you I will do it. I, there was a guy that um, <laughs> was was giving me the business about it in the chow, so I'm just giving it back to him a little bit. I love you. So I, no, no, no hard feelings. I actually, I actually look, I just, I, I'm happy that you listen. So what, what do I, you know, if you, if you care enough to complain about this cast, then God bless you. You know, I mean, you're just, you're, you're on my, um, you're, you're, you're on my, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, my friends list. My, uh, I, 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 I love you, man. Or Chica, whatever. I'm, I'm, I, I dig it. Anyway, Lando making the decision there to throw it deep to uh, Chubbers. And then Chubb, you know, actually turning into defensive back there. I'm fine with that because the other option was Mayfield was the other option on that pass. He could have thrown back to him, and he was kind of open. I think that Lando there was looking at it like, you know what, I'm just going to put it up there, give Chubbers a chance to run up and catch it, and if he does, he does, great. If it's intercepted, then it's in the end zone, and it's like an arm punt, and you know what, you do that. We did that with, uh, who was it that threw the pass? It was... I don't, think, I don't think it was Landry. It was somebody. What, was, it, was it Callaway? It doesn't seem like it was Callaway. And I don't think it was Perriman. It's, it feels like I'm, it was a Higgins. It's like I'm missing somebody that uh, threw a pass that was intercepted earlier this year. It wasn't Willie's either. I, I don't know. But the uh, interception on when we did the uh, the wishbone thing that we did. Point is, um, you know, throwing it deep there. I think that Lando made the decision that. I don't care if I give up an interception there. Giving up an interception is preferable to me throwing it to Mayfield and Mayfield, you know, making a great play, trying to trying to make a play, trying to make a catch and ends up getting hurt and hit or hit and hurt. 
and that would be the worst thing for this franchise because Baker Mayfield's the only reason that we're in this game in the first half. The Panthers were, you know, they, they, they could have very, in the old days, as in, you know, when when a certain someone was still running the show, we could have been run out of this thing. It could have been 17-3 to or 17 nothing uh, at halftime. And forget about it. We're not coming back in those in, in, in that sort of a circumstance. No, instead, Panthers come out today. They go right down the field on us. What do we do? Mayfield, and how about Mayfield um, on the uh, the uh, you know the, that, he has that long touchdown pass to Callaway last week that gets called back because of the holding. And but it was one of those plays. It was the perfect you know long pass that you look for. It's kind of like the last piece of the the puzzle with him, because you've seen him. Make, we've seen him make every read, every throw, every. He's done everything that you want him to do. But that kind of over the top long ball. He hit Callaway in stride with it, and then he hits Perriman in stride on the opening pass of the game, which ultimately set up the first touchdown. But. I'm going to tell you something. That that wasn't even probably the the uh, second best pass uh, after the the one the Landry the the lone touchdown pass. Because again, that Landry touchdown pass that's the stuff of legends. That's the stuff they're going to be showing. You know, when he's when he's giving his Hall of Fame induction ceremony speech, hopefully in like 25 years. Um, they're going to be showing that in his rookie season. He made this incredible throw, and you knew right then and there. Well, some of us knew. <laughs> some of us knew when he was still playing at Oklahoma that he was, he was going to be doing this sort of thing and hoping that he would be doing it for us uh, and pretty confident we would have the opportunity to make that happen. Are you noticing, by the way, that when they're showing like highlights of like just B-roll of NFL talent that, uh, that Mayfield's showing up in those things? That's uh, that's that's kind of cool. But at any rate, that I, he had that touchdown pass, maybe one of the best ones that I've ever seen. I think the best one that I've seen a Browns player make, and I'd have to really think about better ones that I've seen. But as I say, after that, there was another super duper impressive pass for a whole host of reasons that I think uh, require some certain uh, d- d- deduction, d- d- deducing some dissecting if you will i'm gonna do that here on the other side i'm gonna step because because you know this is this is my show y'all so i'm, I'm talking to you about it I, I find this to be very interesting and encouraging so i'm gonna i'm gonna you know, dive into it you take what you want to from these games and uh I, and i will what i do and i hope that um that you're excited about this as, as i am because there, there, there's every reason to be excited about this one this is this is awesome uh, what we saw here today. And I'm going to tell you about what that other uh, pass was uh, we get right back. My name is... Oh, I don't even know if I mentioned this. I'm Easy Weave. This is he, Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. I'll let you in a second. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Malik Halikhi Makkah is a thing to say 
on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. You know, they say that football is a game of inches. I think that's true, but I think it's incomplete. I think more precisely, football is a game of situations. And more often than not, it's those kind of individual situations in a game, how they go one direction or another, that determines um, the, the you know, the way the games go, the way the seasons go, the way that, you know, playoff positioning goes, all sorts of things. And so, in today's game, late in the uh, fourth quarter, the, well, you know, second half of the fourth quarter, Panthers get the ball, take a long drive, they're down by six because we missed the extra point. And so, they go down, they got first and goal, and that is one of the best, I mean, short yardage teams imaginable. With Cam Newton, everything that he can do, and the other, and, you know, McCaffrey, and all the, the things that they can do to hit you both inside and outside. Of course, they don't have the same beef they used to with. Um, whatever happened to that fullback they had, Mike Tolbert? I, I think he plays for somebody else now. But uh, still, with with what Cam can do and what they can do with that running game, you know, running and throwing, they're just very, very difficult in short yardage. In fact, their red zone numbers—they put up the stat before the game—is about where we, uh, you know, our red zone numbers are have been tremendous ever since uh, Baker took over and Hugh went away. Uh, you know, we're really, really good in that regard, but they are as well because they're just very difficult to stop. So us getting the stop there was, first of all, very unexpected. I, I, I was just conceding the touchdown at that point. In fact, when they hit that long pass down um, the seam or down the uh, sideline to uh, – I forget now, was it Samuel – Hit the long pass there at the end. I thought actually good um, because in this spot I was I would rather that happen than the way that they were kind of piecing that drive together at that point was just kind of plodding down the field, picking up first down, picking up first down. Like great, they're gonna they're gonna run the clock all the way down and score a touchdown and give us no time. So I figure when they get the uh, the long pass play, I'm like all right, at least they're gonna score and we'll have you know some time for Baker to go down there at very at worst worst you know case scenario is you know they can't score two touchdowns there they could go up by eight and we'd be down which they wouldn't do they kick the extra point so re- real you know realistic worst case scenario is that we're down by one with you know a couple minutes left all of our timeouts so although I was gonna get irate over that challenge on the uh, the third down play uh earlier on in the second half, but it worked out. So either way, so I'm thinking, okay, cool. When we get the stop, it's like, okay, now there's a whole different uh, clock management paradigm at play. And so we have the ball, and it's first down at the one. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing my running commentary with this, and I'm thinking, okay, there's one thing we can do here, and that's run it straight up the middle with Nick Chubb three times. Okay, we do that. We try that doing that once, and they drop him for a loss. And now we're at the three-yard lines. Okay. And I get it. It's like, there's not really a whole lot you can do. I mean, honestly, in that, in that, it's, because they have two timeouts. We have uh, a first, you know, a, a new set of downs there with, you know, on the turnover on downs. And they got the two-minute warning. So, at that point, you, you, at very least out of that situation, you've got to make sure that you come out of that on the other side of the in, in that scenario where we took over the ball, we've got to be able to have you know at very least they're going to get the ball you know probably midfield or our side of the field with no timeouts and like you know a minute forty or so. And that's now you because you're playing up the averages at that point. 
because Cam Newton can make plays, but Cam Newton, when he's in a spot where he has to, you know, make, where where all of the things that he's really good at are kind of taken away because you're in now the traditional, uh, you know, drop back read the defense, make strong uh, throws, run, and all the stuff that you have to do two-minute drills is not his forte. He can do a lot of things from the quarterback position, and he's a very good player. But it's just you know, that, that's, that's what you have to come away with. But then for us to do what we did, actually you know, kind of uh, took it out of – I mean, that did end up uh, materializing, but the second down play where we roll out, do a play fake, and, we, and Baker is throwing from the end zone – in the first place, it's a it's it's a it's a ballsy. I mean, that, that that's something to make that call to make that play, to call that play. If you're Freddie Kitchens, that is man, <laughs> that that is gutsy. That is showing some hubris. That is showing some chutzpah. That is definitely exhibiting some testicular fortitude. You know what I'm saying? That that is that is imp- that that is impressively, um, you know, courageous to, to do that. Now it's all of those things if it works. But this is the point: is that on that play, you got to have this play. And this isn't, by the way, the first time that Baker has made plays like this from the end zone this year. But he makes the play where he's rolling to his right, and he ends up. Uh, throwing the pass, it was caught by Perriman, but it's a one, another one of these plays where he's moving, and he just hits the receiver, I mean, dead nails perfect, and Perriman makes the catch, he ends up going out of bounds, so it's it, it ends up being a breathing room type play, it, it, it did open up and, and expand our options, because they did use their timeout on first down, us going out of bounds there hurts, because they still have a timeout, and the before two-minute warning after two-minute paradigm still exists, but whatever. You get the first down, and you get a lot of breathing room there, and it was a big deal. Because now what happens is you still end up, we end up not picking up another first down, but because of that, we're able to, we get an additional play out of that sequence. We're then able to uh, run another play, they call timeout, run another play, goes down to the two-minute warning, we run another play, and because, and even on that, they were passing the ball. Gutsy. Gutsy. Kitcho was, was uh, put, and the, the thing about that, what it, what it really says to me is how much confidence they have in Baker Mayfield. Because in that scenario, you've got to do everything you can to take as much time off the clock and, and or force the Panthers to use all of their timeouts. Because what you want is the end of a game, an end of a game scenario where they have to go down the field and score a touchdown to win with no timeouts, and ultimately that's what ended up happening. We get that breathing room on that pass. We then follow suit. We have three plays where we eat the clock. They have to then use their timeout. Two minute warning. The third play, we run it all the way down to about. Well, and we did it exactly right. We punted it, snapped the ball with about three seconds left. So they end up getting the ball with about a minute. 10, I think, I forget exactly what it was, but that was about what you figure is going to happen when, you, you know, you do this strategy, and they ended up, and, <sighs> blessedly, we end up having a uh, an actual special teams coverage that, you know, pins them where they were, which is like the 35-yard line, so it was, okay, it's all set up, you know, now you're going you're gonna to force Cam Newton to go down and score a touchdown with, you know, 
64 seconds. I remember that's what it was. It was 64 seconds they had left in the game to go down and score a touchdown with no timeouts. I like our odds in that scenario because what it does, one of the things it does, particularly in our unique situation, and the reason our situation is unique is because we've got these monster pass rushers. It's almost a travesty that I'm this far into it. I haven't even mentioned Miles Garrett's name. That guy. You know, I'll talk about him a little bit later on, but he showed up. But in that situation, late in the game, you got guys like Garrett coming at you and the other guys that we have that can rush the passer, and they you can't really do anything to mitigate that like you can with various aspects of your scheme throughout the regular course and timing of a game. So, uh, like, for example, I think in, it happened against the Saints when we played them, and I think that the, the Panthers maybe even used up some of what we the Saints did against us offensively because what they were doing was Miles was absolutely destroying their left tackle. And he got a sack and then he got one that got called back that would have been a fumble, possibly could have been points for us at the end of the first half. And whatever, it was that it it, 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 it was probably an incomplete pass. I don't even care. It's what it is. But Miles was just beating his man, but it didn't matter because Cam was getting the ball out, you know, quick, 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 quick. And they were able to convert, they were able to move the ball, and they were able to get first downs, and a lot of it had to do with, again, the way that they they were scheming everything, but they weren't exactly, because of that, because of that approach, I think that it limited what they could do in terms of allowing for plays to develop. A longer plays to develop. In the, uh, like, for example, um, the, the, um, I'm sorry, I saw a stat there where Baker was the crawled across the screen where he was the first quarterback to do something for the first part of his career, put him in rare company. And it broke my concentration, which, as you know, is uh, easily uh, broken. But it, uh, the um, second half uh, play, uh, you know, uh, defensive adjustments saw. Garrett still getting a lot of those uh, same one-on-one matchups, uh, and he was able to do a lot of disrupting. <clears throat> but in that situation, late in the game, you uh, you can that that you want your, your guys to be in that spot because they basically have to drop back, wait for plays to develop, and other and they weren't really doing that in the first half, which means they, that kind of limits what they can do as far as going down the field on you, which is I think one of the reasons that we were in the spot that we were against the Saints. Because I think they were doing a lot of that. It's it's teams game planning against us by limiting, and not certainly not everybody has had to do that. Miles hasn't had that sort of impact in every game, but it, I think he had it in this game. And he was his typical um, wrecking crew self. You know, even last week in the bad loss against Houston, Miles Garrett was beating people left and right, and he was definitely doing that today. And you know, he got the sack uh, where he just he just monster beat his man around the edge, and. Mentioned again the also the uh, the play at the end of the half where that play when it happened it's like okay even though it didn't count uh, I thought about it from the standpoint of okay well at least that probably is going to uh, result in them not being able to score on this drive which ultimately it didn't so you know you take it we'll, we'll, we'll take it point is that's the spot that you want to be in and what happens. On the first possession, or on the very first throw, you put Cam in that spot. He has to make a throw. He ends up uh, missing the the route to uh, Funchess, or Funchess missed the read. However it happened, it ended up 
the result was overthrown pass, picked off by Demarius Randall, and then it's victory formation and victory thread time. And I'm uh, just very, really just so uh, thrilled by how that whole thing went down. It really, um, um, just a fun, fun day to watch. And even if it would have gone, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it like if we lose this game, especially because I was annoyed with Greg, I'm thinking, you know, okay, if we lose this game, then I'm not really feeling too bad about it because, like, it means it's, it's probably another nail in the coffin of um, – you know, uh, Greg not being here, and I was upset with him and his lack of uh, preparation in the first half, yada, yada, yada. And, of course, the obligatory, and it helps our draft position. But at the same time, it's always better to win. I, I will always take a win over improvement of draft position. I just will say that it's a, you know, it's a consolation prize that I'm more than willing to take. <laughs> you know, particularly because uh, in the more games that you lose, the faster you get into the draft scouting process. So, you know, it, it, there's a give and take that's there. But instead, no, we get the... We get the uh, the the win. We get the W, and improved to five seven and one on the year, and get ready for a Saturday night matchup with uh, the Denver Broncos. Who, while I am talking to you, are having um, all they want from the uh, San Francisco 49ers, who are not having a good year, but uh, are, <laughs> are are handling the donkeys right now. Games played in San Francisco, though, and of course, I'm pretty sure that when we play them, it's going to be at Mile High Stadium, and so that's, a, or I don't know, I guess they don't call it Mile High Stadium anymore, um, but the, the, they, it's still, it's still the, the, uh, the atmospheric <clears throat> advantage that they have over everybody else that they play. So, all that to say, it's, um, <clears throat> it's looking pretty good for the rest of the year when you see a game like this, and, because there was a, it was a triumph of coaching adjustments and not wasting a, a great performance overall by Baker Mayfield and a, a lot of spirited uh, defensive play, particularly by Miles Garrett, but also uh, just overall seeing Greg Williams making the adjustments. It was that that's, that's very encouraging and winning the game. All right, it keeps the the discussion on the table. As I say, I thought when when all of this went down that if he went five and three, that that he would be in that discussion. Of course, five and three when you've had the the last three years that we have had. You know, seems like it's the most you know incredible accomplishment in the world. Now he may finish six and two, and there may be still serious questions about it. And a not insignificant reason for that is because there are a lot of people that look at this situation with the Browns and are rightfully thinking this is pretty nice. What we got there in Cleveland, you know, that's a pretty nice looking situation to walk into. When you've got a stud young quarterback, when you've got a stud star monster player off the edge like Miles Garrett, and then you've got you know other like I said other pieces we talked about this before pieces at other you know parts on the roster positions on the roster that you know it may not be a all star at every position type or or it may not be formidable at every single position group right now although you know I mean a couple more players in the secondary and we're gonna be pretty close maybe some improvement at the tackle position but then again I don't really I didn't really see the offensive line as a major issue here today in fact I saw Baker having moments where. Uh, and Landry, too, on that pass by Landry, the guy sat there for like five seconds before finally throwing the ball. And there were a lot of, of really nice pockets for Baker today. 
So offensive line, you know, you always improve where you can. I'm not trying to say not to do that. But I'm not really – as and, and Hubbard has been kind of uh, our Achilles heel, and, and you, you got it's always shaky when you're looking at Greg Robinson is now going to be our answer at left tackle. But then again, that guy was number two overall pick, and he looked pretty solid again today. He's definitely – tell you what, he's definitely looked better in, in his time with us. I think he certainly earned a contract, right? Hasn't he earned at least uh, an extension to stay with us for at least another year? I feel a lot better going into next year knowing that Greg Robinson's going to be on the roster. I mean, I, I would, I, and I would imagine it's. I don't know what his contract calls for. I don't. I think that it's only a one-year deal. Um, you know that he was actually the, the second highest-paid tackle that was taken in free agency. So it's not. I mean, it just it's slim pickings out there. But the guy, uh, the guys played pretty well, and the offensive line as a unit overall has played pretty well. The, the offensive team overall has played pretty well. Nick Chubb today with a. You know, a, 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 another one of these games, and there was another one earlier this year that was like this. Maybe it was uh, um, against the the, uh, the Bengals, where you know they they had him um, they had him pretty well bottled up for a lot of the game, but he just kept he just kept plugging away, and we just kept plugging him away. You know, we just kept pounding, 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 pounding. Finally, in the fourth quarter, he breaks one. You know, that ended up being a, a pretty big, uh, important run because it, it, you know, brought more time off the clock, got us in field position range, ultimately put us in the spot to uh, take a six-point lead. It was a, a big moment. So he ends up with um, re- respectable statistics, which I don't I don't really care about that aspect of it. It's just fun to watch the, the uh, talent that is on this offensive team. And I've said this for a lot of years. And this isn't to say, you know, I told you so or anything like that. It's just, it's always been an opinion of mine that if you've got elevated quarterback play, then it pretty much elevates everybody else on your offensive team, especially the receivers. And I think that we've seen this. These are the same receivers that we had on this team, you know, three, four weeks ago. The only difference is that, uh, you know, the, the shackles have been taken off Mayfield a little bit and a really good quarterback now. And he is. He's a, he's a really, the guy right now is playing like a really good quarterback and he's not even as good as he's going to be yet. You know, and honestly, we could just spend every one of these casts just doing nothing but talking about Baker Mayfield because he is the franchise, and it's so fun that that is the case. It's and it's not uh, fool's gold. We can we can look at you know maybe that's why it's worth continuing to bring up that all of this was was kind of seen and known and could be known and was knowable. Uh, as the draft process was going along, that he actually, that his being this good isn't an aberration. That his being as good as he is isn't some fluke. That he actually is this good. He was this good in college. But, which is to say, you know, not everybody that's good in college is good in the NFL, but when I'm, you know, when he was doing the type of stuff that he was doing at the college level, at the collegiate level, uh, it, it, it are the, you're, there's things that you have to look for in a quarterback to that, that is in, that is if he can maintain this and improve in other areas at the next level then you could have somebody potentially special and he's he's special he is he's just special he's special with the way that he commands respect in that locker room he's special with the way that he manages that entire offensive team and he is definitely special when it comes to the way that he can slang that ball and it has to do with the pocket presence as well. He was doing, you know, stuff with the pocket movement where he's, you know, moving up in the pocket just enough. There was one I noticed where guy beats his man around the edge and he moves up into the pocket and he doesn't like, he's not like frenetic about it. He just kind of stands there 
and then just kind of moves around a little bit. He knows he's, in other words, he knows when he has to bail, when he has to run, and when he can just kind of sidestep guys. And it's got to be frustrating for a lot of players because they're coming in full steam, and he just does a move at the last second, and he gets by him, which that you've seen the great ones over the years do that. You know, the, the guys that are the very, very best are not the ones that typically are going to take off and run for 50 yards on you. Not to say they can't be really good in their own right. I'm saying that the ones that usually are the really, really, really good ones are the ones that when you're they'll, they'll make a slight move just to navigate within the pocket and then make throws. And that's what Baker does, and he he he's just a master at this uh, the, the 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 pocket presence, the footwork. Interesting thing about footwork. I, I, I will talk about that before the close. Or you know what? Maybe I'll I, I may save it for the Thursday one. But I, it, it, as far as you know, th- throwing positioning, quarterbacks, the guys that we've looked at in the past, guys that are playing now. There, there's some interesting things to um to consider, especially looking at some of the throws that Pat Mahomes made today. But be that as it may, uh, all of the mechanical stuff with Mayfield is as solid as you could as you could want. I mean, it's it's everywhere that it, where it needs to be. But then these throws are right on target, and that's not something that we've gotten. Um, even when every the rookie does everything right, you know, last year with Kaiser, he would do the right things and then you know be wild off target or you know make the wrong decision. And and Baker not only makes the right decision, Baker not only makes the accurate throw, but the thing that is the most encouraging about him, and it's just it's uncanny. It really is. He attacks. He attacks defenses. He does not sit back and allow for defenses to fluster him. He looks at what they're giving him and he takes it and he takes and and he pushes the envelope. And you got to under I mean it's got to be something. You realize that touchdown pass the, to a Landry. I mean, that's got to be demoralizing. I mean, we've had it happen like when when Tyrell Williams did to us this year when the when the Chargers came. It was it was demoralizing that touchdown pass. They have but in their case they have it perfectly covered. I mean, they do everything they're supposed to do right. You know, they, they have him flushed out, and he's only got one play, and the guy's double covered, and it's just a perfect – I mean, it's one thing to say a perfect pass. But we're talking – the ball probably went 50 yards in the air on a di- – it was it, it, it was it was a thrill to watch. And it had to be because we, we were getting run out of the game at that point. Baker had to be amazing in order for us to, to have a chance. But how much – how much more fun is it to watch football now that we have that guy? That we have a guy that can go out there that you can put the team on his shoulders and he'll go do it. And now when when you know when when we improve as a team overall, you know and, and specifically when you know Miles is only going to get better. He's only in his second year and look how good he is. He's only going to get better. When the other players and pieces that we have on that defense can and we probably add, we're probably going to need to add a couple of pieces to that secondary. You know, I, I would like to see us do better at tackling. I'm not sure that it's in the cards, given how Greg coaches and has coached seemingly throughout his uh, his career. But you know, um, I'm uh, at the same time, I uh, I can't I can't really be too upset with the guy who now has won three out of his last four games. Well, yeah. And he is the coach. I mean, he's the interim coach. I think that it's kind of more of a, a you know, a, a team effort, a co-captain effort, along with uh, Freddie Kitchens. But they're getting it done. And I think that I have um, my my ultimate, 
you know, desire of what I would want to see happen at this point, particularly after and today's game may be the perfect encapsulation. I thought maybe last week's game was, but I think that this one may be. I think I need to step away one more time because of the obligation. And when I get back, I will talk about who I think is is the right guy. The more I watch this, the more I see this, the more I think I, I have my my ironclad. This is what I want to see happen. Happen. Um, thing, and um, I'll tell you what that is here in a moment. I'm Easy Weave, this is Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. It's the most. Considering where we are right now and looking at where this team was and is, I really am fully on board, fully signed on to the concept of at the end of this season, you know, go through your process, go do your diligence, all of that. But I, the guy that I want, I have a favorite in the coaching search. People have. You know, there's a lot of people like the uh, coach from Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, which, by the way, how how about the Sooners with uh, two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks two years in a row? And that guy, Kyler Murphy, he's going to end up being a five-tool prospect in in Major League Baseball. What a a stud he is. And I'll I'll include him in the conversation about this – this whole this whole quarterback dropping back mechanics thing, as especially as it uh, relates to quarterbacks that previously have played baseball. But I'm not going to get sidetracked by that right now, as I am want to do. Riley, whoever, uh, whoever it is that you like out there, there's there's coordinators. Josh McDaniel's name gets thrown around a lot. Um, I'm not terribly enthusiastic about that, and a lot of people share that lack of enthusiasm. Uh, there's others. Yeah, you. you plenty of names that you've heard of, but the guy a, a, a name that's been bandied about that I am absolutely firmly of the if, if, if this could happen, because I think it would be the best of all circumstances and that's Bruce Arians he has said multiple times that he would be interested in and the only NFL coaching job he would be interested in would be the Browns I would be wildly enthusiastic about Bruce Arians taking over because I think that it's possible I don't know how probable it is, but I think it's possible that in a setup like that, it could be that either Greg or Kitchen or maybe both of them could end up staying because I'm not sure that Arians would require having to have his own staff and everything else. Now, you know, maybe not. Maybe that's a bridge too far. But I think especially because Arians has history with uh, Kitchens, I know, and he probably has history with Williams, too, because those two guys have been in the league forever. Or I should say, those two guys have been in football forever. Arians and Williams have, you know, they've both been in football for a million years, so chances are, you know, they've, uh, they, they've, they've, they've come into contact many times and know each other. I'm just saying, that would be kind of the, uh, and like I say, at the, the beginning of this game, or, or midway through this game, I'm, thinking, I'm done with Greg, I'm done with Greg. But then Greg's guys came out, and they improved. And there have been games this year where Greg's guys did go out and, and play a good game. 
you know, and, and actually out scheme people. Hugh never did that, but Greg's guys did do that once or twice. So being able to do that, and especially being able to, you know, also got to give the guy a little bit, you know, cut him a little slack playing without Denzel Ward all game, and that's a pretty major, you know, that's that's a pretty major loss. We held this team to twenty points without our our shutdown corner. You know, this whole game has gone by, and I haven't. Even, it's the first time even mentioning his name. That's pretty significant. So I, maybe I'm I'm uh, I'm not giving Greg enough credit here, but then I kind of am by suggesting that maybe it's worth keeping him around. And if it's able to be done where we can keep him around and keep Kitchens around and just have Arians come in and become the O-ball coach, then I really think that would be the best setup because I think that Arians would be fantastic for Baker Mayfield's development, number one, and I think that he's also a good coach. Um, I think he pr- showed that when in his short time that he was in you know, Arizona. And that, you know, so you have... A, a better coaching candidate with a more talented roster. Not really a whole lot of holes. You realize there's nobody that's on this roster right now that we're really in danger of losing, right? I don't think there is. There anybody that we're really looking at right now? I think that let me. I got to think about this for a second because we're looking to go through the, all the other linebacker, no the secondary. We got. Um, I think Mitchell signed for a couple of years. Uh, maybe I think maybe Gaines. EJ Gaines may have a. Uh, uh, possible one-year contract i don't recall uh actually with him but that might be about because we already signed everybody that was you know contracts were coming next year we got something we're gonna have to take care of but there's not really anybody that we're going to lose so i mean i'm, I'm sure that there will be don't get me I, I'm, I'm positive there will be turnover between next year and this year uh while it looks you know it certainly appears uh, of all by all sight that um John Dorsey will continue to be running the show as the, G, the, the GM, and so you wouldn't expect there would be a drastic roster cleansing such as he did last year, where he basically uh, replaced, you know, what, about somewhere in the neighborhood, of, I think it was like 65% of the of the total roster was turned around this year. But, you know, the 35 that remained, that's the pretty important core players, and that was left over from the holdover regime, along with the three players that remain from uh, the Ray Farmer days, that being Joel Batonio, um, Christian Kirksey, and Duke uh, Johnson, although I can't leave out Charlie Hewlett. That, those are the four longest-standing Remember, well, no, not anymore. Jimmy Haslam is now the longest-standing member of the uh, of the organization, which is unfortunate. That happened after we lost uh, Joe Thomas and then Josh Gordon. But the longest playing, the guys that have been on the team the longest, are in order: Joel Batonio, Christian Kirksey, and Charlie Hewlett, and then Duke Jackson, Duke Johnson. I almost said Duke Jackson like that uh, announcer did that one time. So the. Uh, those are the only players that are left over from prior to Sashi. Then you've got probably uh, maybe 15, 20 guys that are the guys that Sashi brought in, and the rest of the roster is all is all meathead. So there's not going to – the point is, is that there's probably not going to be a, a lot of emphasis on removing players and bringing in – I mean, I, it's not like we're probably going to see you know drastic moves like trading for Tyrod Taylor, trading for Jarvis Landry, trading for Demarius Randall, you know, giving up – key assets in order to plug holes like we did this year because there's just not that many holes. I mean, who is it that you're looking at on this offense or defensive side of the ball? I mentioned tackle, but who are you going to really be able to trade for that's going to, to be a, a a much better and a, you know, no doubt about it, much better option than Greg Robinson looks like he is right now. And I'll kind of look like that last year with Spencer Drango. 
But I, I'm saying you know, Robinson certainly looked bit, a lot better than he did in this. And I'm saying next year, if opening day next year, Greg Robinson is our starting left tackle, that's not the worst thing in the world. And it could very well materialize that way. Uh, or, you know, we, maybe we draft a guy, but, you know, we just won another game, so that draft is, that, that you know, the draft is going to be, we're probably going to have to let it come to us, and I'm not sure that there's really going to be anybody, and the same thing is true of Hubbard. I wouldn't mind replacing both guys. It's just that there's not really a whole lot of, of uh, you know, quality tackles that are just available out there. You're going to have to probably over-invest in one of those guys. Unless, you know, one thing that's that's possible here, you know, especially the way that Robinson has been playing, and I realize that Hubbard has been a problem. Of course, one of the problems with Hubbard is that he's signed for such a long time, uh, and it's such a, such a large contract, which is, you know, the reason that that Dorsey signed him is because he thinks he can play. So replacing him was kind of a, would be kind of a tacit admission that he he hasn't performed well, uh, and he has struggled, you know, certainly a lot this year with a lot of things. But I think that if Greg Robinson could play right tackle then why don't we maybe go back to what we were looking at last year where we've got, uh, or at the beginning of this season, where we got Batonio at left tackle, put Robinson at right tackle, and have uh, Corbett start at left guard. But then, you know, at the same time, what we got right now is working. So, and by working, I mean it's generating quality pass protection. Not really opening up a lot in the running game, but I'm not sure how much of that is scheme versus how much of that is talent. In other words, I think the talent is on this club all around. Uh, really at every position group. I've just a couple of th- these ones that I'm mentioning here, but none of them from, you know, a, you know, wow, we are just totally bereft of talent here like we were last year, particularly at quarterback, wide receiver, and safety. I think if, if we're going to look at our needs uh, for this for this team, you probably look – and, again, you, you got to almost put needs in quotation marks because, like, wide receiver, I'm, I, I think that we probably should pick up some big body out there. I don't know who we get. Probably Tyrell Williams, a guy I mentioned earlier from San Diego. He's probably the most attractive free agent target that we would go out and get. There's just not a whole lot out there. It's like any other position, particularly ones that are highly valued. If they're if the players are really good, then chances are they're not going to become available. And that's the case with the wide receivers that are available this year in free agency. Now there are some draft picks out there. But, you know, I mean, draft, taking wide receivers in the first round, it's, uh, you know, it's something of a crapshoot. Some, sometimes you, you, you hit the lottery. I mentioned DJ Moore. He's a really good player. But uh, this, this draft, at least the early indicators are that it's, you know, not really top-heavy talent-wise, but there's a lot of – there are a lot of good receivers. Well, I mean, I'd be good with uh, – at, at this point, looking at what we have, particularly seeing the way that, that Perriman has come on, and again, I'm not trying, you know, knock, knock on wood as, uh, and I don't know if this is good or bad, but right now the donkeys are just getting stomped out by the 2-10 and 10 49ers, and we play those guys next week. But I don't think the Perriman has dropped a pass since we got him. And that's pretty, um, you know, that, and he, he's you know, made the long pass play today. Made that clutch pass again. It was so huge that pass there at the end of the of uh, the game there in that two minute situation. Mayfield from the end zone, you know, making the catch. Yeah, he went out of bounds, but still making that. That was it was a, such an important pa- uh, catch to make, and with the sort of talent that he has, you know, Landry isn't exactly a quote unquote number one, but guy's got a lot of talent. 
I'm saying that if we went into next year with the same wide receiving core that we have right now, I wouldn't be too excited about that, but I wouldn't be too down and depressed either, unless Rashard Higgins now has the yips. Um, but, you know, look, sometimes the, the yips are recoverable. You know, Taylor Gabriel had the yips his, uh, the second half of his uh, sophomore season. Just, was t- just couldn't catch anything. Uh, and I don't know that, but I mean, Higo to have two, I mean, he, he, he had a touchdown. Would have walked in, but he dropped it. And then he had another moment where he fumbles the ball, and that gave a, a touchdown to uh, Carolina. So Higo maybe the worst game of his career today with with those things happening. Um, but you know he's you know young player. He certainly improved this year. He should improve next year. And we go into if we if we and so if we were going to the off season, we got Lando, we got uh, Callaway, we've got uh, Perriman. You know he he sticks around. Gonna get Derek Willies back. I mean, he's a younger guy, six uh, four. You know, was a was a rookie this year. Ended up. I don't know if he. I don't know if he's eligible to come back or if he's already an injured reserve. But you know, you look at players that could get better, and looking at you know, not really knowing who we're going to be out and go to get. I, I, what I'm saying is, that at this point, I'm looking at maybe picking up Tyrell Williams in free agency and drafting one of those guys that are good, but maybe not spectacularly good because there aren't maybe one of those guys that are available in this year's draft. But you get – I mean, that, I, I think that's probably all you really need. And you bring back with the guys that we currently have on the roster. And then what else? I mean, tight end, we got – you know, run, running back, we got – okay, you can get a couple more you know, fresh set of legs if you want to. Uh, you could always use more pass rushers, I'm sure, but the defensive line, whole front seven is pretty stout. You can use some depth. Yeah, okay, fine. You can definitely use some depth. Although we're going to get Kirk, uh, Kirko back next year. And Avery played what looked like to me to be a pretty good game today, and yeah, we could use some. Um, we could we could use a little depth in the secondary as well. So yeah, I mean, there there it's like any other team. There's areas that we can improve, but if you're a coach that's looking at this roster, looking at this franchise, there's a lot to look at here and really, really get excited about and say, if I had that to work with, I can go out and win championships. And, you know, there's no reason for us not to think that way when we've got six. Baker Mayfield is playing at a level that uh, I've I've never seen a rookie get close to. I, I know that Andrew Luck had, had a great rookie year as well. I don't think that Andrew Luck had and – and I know that Baker had the, the tough first half against Houston. So, okay, lump that in there. Include the first half against Houston in there. Take the last four games that Baker Mayfield has played. I don't think Luck looked that good his rookie year. That's what Mayfield has looked the last four weeks. Yes, even with the three interceptions. Because he came back in the second half. And yeah, I wrote garbage time, whatever. I don't care. 24 for 30 for 350. I mean, it's, it's one thing in garbage time if you're if you're picking up a lot of stats uh, because you're you're taking the you know the five ten you know even fifteen yard checkdown plays. Mayfield was attacking that Texans defense, trying to get yards in chunks and getting them. We just weren't able to because of fumbles and other things, and the defense not able to stop them. weren't able to make anything hold up. But point is, and I'm not talking about stats. I'm talking about the 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 way that the quarterback position is played. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody do it better at the rookie level that Baker Mayfield is doing right now. And he's only going to get better. Can you imagine what this guy's going to look like with an entire offseason as the number one guy running that offense, being the man, working with his offensive coordinator, learning the same stuff, reinforcing the same stuff, and then working with his receivers and all the offseason uh, workout drill, the OTAs, all that, start training camp as the number one. He works with all of his guys. I mean, 
I'm so excited about the future of this team. I'm so excited about the future. And then, you know, when when watching Baker in this game make that, you know, <laughs> that crazy throw, and you watch him, and then on the next, I, I'm pretty sure it was on the next possession, it was when Miles had, maybe not, but it was not too long after that when Miles had that play on Cam, and you're thinking, you know, we got Baker on offense, we got Miles on defense. This team, this team, when it gets what it needs, and what it needs is, you know, again, that is, there's not really a whole lot in the way of, of talent that you look at out there and you say, we need to get, you know, we just, like I say, we didn't have a safety. We, we went out, we got Demarius Randall, and Jabril Peppers has improved. Is he good? I'm not saying that. I'm saying he's improved from where he was last year. He could improve even further next year, and then maybe he would be worth the number one uh, first, or I should say, first round uh, pedigree that he was he was selected at. Or at very least, he could be good enough for safety to not to be a a a, a non problem for us. Which, for the most part, he's done. Uh, you know, like the, safe, the safety position has been improved this year. In a small part because of well, in no small part because what he because of what he how he has improved, but in a larger part because of the addition of Demarius Randall. So you, we could use some some depth in the secondary. We could use some depth on the offensive line. We could use some depth at wide receiver. What else? Not much, and that's doable. Oh, and by the way, we're going to have about a hundred million dollars in cap space. And all of our guys that are, if you look at our roster, if you were to take a look at and start ranking our players, like, this is, you know, if you were to put, like, to me, Baker's at the top, and then Miles is right after him. Those are, those are our top two guys, and then everybody, you know, beyond however you calculate the importance of a team, and so on, you rank all your players, all the guys that you have in the top, the upper echelon of that list, they're all still under contract for multiple years. So we have the and we have the ability to sign them to long term extensions at whatever point in time we want to do this. Um, so it's 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 all good in the hood, is what I'm saying, folks. We're 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 we are in we are fully over the the you know the the two years that we had. We've been here for a while actually, but the whole you re- you know this is kind of interesting. You know the last time that we played the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton? Do you, there's two things about the last time that we played the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton that uh, that you'll both that you'll remember you'll remember both of these things. The first thing that happened the last time that we played the Carolina Panthers was Scott Solomon. That's right, <laughs> bloodbath. He had he had a game where he looked like Miles Garrett does every game, and uh, that caused people to think that Scott Solomon was going to be. The uh, the next great thing. He actually won the starting job, and that whole off season there was just all it, it was kind of absurd. Uh, the, the the hyperbole around the guy, and then he gets hurt in the first game, like the first the first quarter of the first game, maybe the first half of the maybe the first play of the first game, and was and never came back, never did anything. So and that so that that hype for him started in that Carolina game. But the other thing about that Carolina game, it was the second career start for one Jonathan Football. You know, old Billy Vegas, Johnny Manziel. That was his second start. Remember, he had that terrible start against the Bengals and looked a little bit better against the Panthers, but that's where they called that really idiotic like quarterback sweep-type deal. And then they show him he's hurt himself. He's on the sidelines. They show the still shot of him, like, like moaning about his... Uh, you know, so that was kind of like the start of of all of this like the the when when we uh officially you know went moved on from Hoyer 
that was kind of like the all right, the playoffs are over. We're done. You know, even even entertaining the notion that we're gonna, we have a postseason because I mean, we, we went we were seven and six at that point in two thousand four in twenty fourteen. And started off that year seven and four. Really, certainly felt like it could be a playoff year. But when we moved on for Manzel, you know, it was kind of all right. Fine, we're just going to see what, see what the kid can do. Well, that kind of started the 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 era that we just got through because it created the whole. You know, he then goes to rehab in that off season, and we don't. You know, we end up going three and thirteen the next year. He's got the episode in Las Vegas, so not only do we not go after a quarterback, we end up wasting time developing him. It, 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 then we immediately discard. That led to that epic failure of the Manzel deal. Is what led to the epic flushing of the roster that we had done and and the rebuild that was you know undertaken by Sashi Brown and you know guys always left out here whenever you know discussing this is uh, Paul De Podesta. He's the chief strategy officer. So. So those guys put their heads together. They devised this plan, and we are now at the end of it. And and the plan entailed going through a couple years of terrible, terrible football. And that terrible, terrible football led to an overall record. What is it? Three and uh, forty-five. That's what it. That's what it was. Three and forty-five over a three-year period is what we had to endure. In order to come, and then if you now, if you want to count the uh, the final five games of the twenty fourteen the twenty fourteen season, then I'm fine with that. That means that we were uh, four and uh, forty nine, right? Yeah, no, four and fifty. Then, if you want to include Hugh Jackson's record coming into this, you know, before we made the, the switch over, now we're talking about because he was what two six and one, I think two five and one. Two six and he was two five and one, so that means uh, over that period of time we're talking five. No, is that right? Five fifty five and one. Yeah, because yeah, over that entire period of time, wow, that's that's kind of serendipitous. That's what we had to endure to get to the other side of where we are right now, which is a fun Sunday where the offense and the defense came to play, but at different times. And at the end of the game, when we needed both to step up and win the game, we had enough for both of them to step up and win the game. The offense and the defense came through, and we won this game. When was the last time we could say this? We won this game in the fourth quarter. This was an absolute dogfight going into the fourth quarter. And we won this thing in the fourth quarter. We outplayed them in the fourth quarter. We we outcoached them, we outplayed them, we outexecuted them in the fourth quarter. When was the last time we could say that? About any team of ours, just just very very proud of uh, of the overall effort given by by our guys today, and uh, I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the the future of the rest of the season. Got three games left now. That I can't wait for. I can't wait for the game on Saturday against the Broncos. I can't wait for the uh, rematch against the Bengals. I can't wait for uh, the rematch against the Ravens. And Lamar Jackson got hurt at the end of the game today. Uh, Robert Griffin had to come in to uh, replace him ankle got rolled over. I think he's going to probably be okay. But uh, Jackson's looked, uh, Lamb Jackson's looked pretty good, and unfortunately, I, I kind of thought that was going to happen. Uh, and he's going to be he's going to be the Ravens guy for a long time. And so we'll have that rivalry. But I'm good with it because we still got the best guy in the draft by far. And uh, hey, coward or whoever, who, whoever it does actually doesn't even matter. All you guys out there. Keep yipping at this guy's heels. Mayfield's a star. I mean, if you don't know it, 
I mean, just look. I mean, it's not that hard to see. It's right there. It's right in front of you. Just look, man. It it, it doesn't take you know. It's it's not this. This ain't rocket surgery. This is take a look. It's what what's right in front of you, and you know, have the courage to see it for yourself. And if you can do that, you can see that what we've got is not only a franchise quarterback. That's right. We have a franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield, but we also have a guy that is on you know, he's on target. What, what what he did today in the first half. There are guys that have what you would consider to be successful NFL careers that never have first halves like that. And that's not the first time that he's had a half like that. No, maybe not a half like that. That first half today it's look. I, I've said that it's 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 a possibility that, that pass that he made may not may may have been the best pass I've ever seen by a Browns quarterback. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that first half today was the best half I've seen by a Browns quarterback ever. The way that he was just again, I I can't think any other way. He's attacking, att- viciously attacking, putting fear in the hearts of defense. When we play these guys, they don't go for the cheap stuff. They go for the long ball. They attack it. So we are going to have to be able to defend them. Because, you know, when a quarterback can do that, this is the thing. That's the hardest thing for the quarterback to be able to do consistently well. But if a guy can do it, guess what? It becomes the hardest thing for the defense to be able to defend against. So they then have to do everything they can to work within those parameters to defend against your quarterback. What does that do? That opens up a lot of other things that previously defenses have been able to key on going up against us because we can't do those things that big boy quarterbacks can do. Now we can. And so the underneath stuff is going to be there. And now we're looking at a, at a situation where, and, and a regular occurrence where we pretty much expect to score, you know, 20, 25 points a game because we're going to be able to just move the ball down the field on teams that are going to be uh, doing everything they can to defend against the big plays. And look at all the big plays we had again today. They, they showed a graphic that we're something like fifth in the league as, as far as plays over 20 yards coming into the game today. It's a different team. It's a different team than it was last year. It's a different team than it was two years ago. It's a different team than it was three years ago. It's a totally different team than it was three years. It, I mean, it, it's 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 stark. I realize there's turnover on every team from year to year. But the turnover and the complete rebuild, and now when you look at this roster position group by position group, the quality job that has been done constructing this thing, it makes this whole coaching this whole coaching search, this whole however we land, it's so important we get this right. And I got to be honest. I'm uh, I'm happy that uh, th- that John Dorsey is the guy that's that's making the decision. Does that mean that I would have been you know less enthusiastic or happy if Sashi would have been the one making the decision? Not saying that at all. I'm just saying that I have a lot of confidence in Meathead to be able to get this done, and I feel like he is going to be the one that's gonna, that's going to make the call, that's going to execute the uh, the maneuver here, and I, I, that's great. No, it's it's what needs to happen. It's been so much fun talking to you. It's been such a fun Sunday. Uh, go Browns. Go uh, get everybody get healed up. You know, I, I don't recall anybody having to leave this game for injury. Larry Ogunjobi played a lot in the second half. I think that made a difference. Um, so everybody get rested up. Short week, but come back. We got. I, I can't again. I can't wait for the game on Saturday. And we'll be uh, we'll be around to talk to you about it after it happens. And uh, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll even talk to you again before before then. 
But until then, uh, I hope that I hope that you have enjoyed this day as much as I have, and I hope that you have enjoyed listening to this as much as I've enjoyed speaking it to you. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. Happy Sunday. Browns win. Browns win. And until next time, good luck. God bless. Merry Christmas. And see ya. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Podcast. It's not Voltron.